Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Kindred Spirits here on the RFQ Refugees Podcast Network. Ted here, John here. Uh, after a crazy week uh, for for the men's soccer team, uh, we're we're back to the business of of covering the Washington Spirit. And uh, boy, boy, do we hope things will get better for the Washington Spirit because they they be rough, they be rough. But before we get into that, John, how was your how was your early part of the week? I've already asked you your weekend. If I'm that's right, most people listen to this show, so they probably the early part both. of the week is going well. Yeah, it's not going bad. I had to go into the office today. That was weird. But, you know, I think here's my question for you, Ted. Who is the Wayne Rooney for the Washington Spirit to come save this season? Is, uh, is <laughs> Mia Hamm as new as as like a guest guest additional coach? I don't know what the move is. I, they got to have something. Well, no, here's what it is, John. It is the um, it is the uh, seven returning players. There you go. From national team duty. <laughs> The cool thing they decided to do full- is restart the season when they come back, too. They, they're going to take all the oh, points yeah. off the board and start again. Yep. Yep. Um, that's what they should do, honestly, after this season. But no sour grapes, no sour grapes. But, but yeah, but uh, um, I'm, I'm, um, so you yeah, funny, you're funny, you're returning to the office. I just found out um, I will be traveling uh, to Charleston, South Carolina for a, um, uh, an implementation, major implementation for my business. So I have to be in front of the people. That I'm mostly virtual, so okay. that's going to be an adjustment. Are you going to go to a um, battery game? Are they playing that weekend? Uh, they are not. Uh, well, I'm going Sunday and staying through Wednesday, and they are not. Um, they are not playing. Um, I highly doubt, considering how intense this whole thing is going to be, I'm going to even have time to catch a battery game. Um, will not be. I plan to attend the Charlotte game um, due to this. That is now off the table, unfortunately, which was looking like a really good call um, after Friday, and I was and. Uh, now it's looking like darn. <laughs> I would have missed an opportunity to see Wayne Rooney on the sides, but I am going. Hopefully, he'll get his. Uh, I'm going up the for DC the 23rd. So anyway, side point, side sidebar. There we got to talk spirit. Um, it, the, <laughs> Ted's like, oh, we got to talk spirit because because you know honestly, not, not, yeah. honestly, it's tough. It's tough, man. It's tough as a fan. Uh, if you go to Kindred Spirits DC, you'll see a visual representation of what it feels like to be a spirit fan right now. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of how well, it be. I, yeah, and I really, I, yeah, you know, I really try, and I, and I probably not successfully try to keep the conversation focused on the spirit for the show. Not to, you know, this is a spirit show. We we did this for a reason to, you know, bring attention to the spirit. So I, I'm mainly trying to transition really quickly from yeah. that because I realized I'm going down the the DC United path, and, and we already a, talked about that. We talked enough about them. We so. did. And as a reminder, if you're listening to this and you're a spirit fan, tell your friends who are spirit fans. This is the only Washington Spirit podcast <laughs> in the game. There's nothing else. This is it. So if we're good or bad. <laughs> if we could be better, <laughs> we can. Uh, but we're the only game in town, so tell your friends. Anyway, let's mm-hmm. talk. Let's talk a- another game at Segra, another drop point situation. It's it's literally like the hits. The hits just keep on coming. Um, and I guess the, the most dispiriting part about all of this was uh, the Spirit did not play poorly. Um, they did not play like a team that was, you know that that was essentially uh outclassed or outplayed uh they i thought they had the better of play in the first half over over the the kansas city current chris ward agrees um, with you yeah um they were passing moving 
they were finding opportunities. Like you could see the ideas there, and, and it was certainly you know I think getting Terry Mc, Terry McKeown back in uh, and Halfordy um, back in, who was with the US U twenty threes, and you also had. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I think there was a couple. Is one other yeah. player. I'm I'm blanking on. Uh, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the lineup information so we can go from there. The changes from the last game. Halfordy was. Uh, he, she had made a substitute appearance in San Diego, but she started. Amber Brooks came in for Karina Rodriguez. Taylor Aylmer starts after coming in as a sub. Jordan Baggett with her first. Jordan Baggett. Yep. Jordan Baggett with her first start uh, and first appearance or since her injury. Actually, she she appeared in the San Diego game because she scored in the San Diego game. Uh, and Mickey Owen started after coming in at halftime and getting an assist against San Diego. Uh, additionally, in this game, first minutes for Avery Collins and Gab- Gabby Vincent. Avery Collins, who I remarked to the other person who was in this, the press box, wow, she's tall, uh, and she's 5'11". So I'm going to get a picture where I'm standing next to Avery Collins. That's my plan, since we are same size. But Gabby Vincent getting her first minutes since a season-long uh, muscle injury that's kept her out of the out of the lineup. So sorry, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just want to get, I want to square that before you got in your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And Jordan Baggett, she was the she was the name I was forgetting um, out of the players who she appeared off the bench. But I think getting her the start was certainly a reward for her goal scoring. Um, and you know, I really thought that they all played. You could tell that there was particularly offensively there was another level, but you could just tell that 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 just that extra level you get with the with the three. The three normal starters up top: your uh, your Ashley Hatch, your um, Ashley Sanchez, your uh, Trinity Rodman. Like those types of players, just bring an extra sharpness up top and an ability to just—it really just felt like from a finishing perspective, uh, this team just could not really find the back of the net. Um, they had opportunities, a lot of block shots in this game. I remember a couple, couple uh, one pretty like nice passing opportunities. But it's like the ideas were there, everything was there. It just like they just could not get to find the ball into the back of the net. Um, you were live there in Segra Field, so I, I definitely want to get your thoughts. Uh, first of all, has Segra Field gotten any better since you were last there? Has it gotten any better? <laughs> uh, no, I'm curious. I guess not. I would say as an improvement for the media. The media love to complain. Now I'm full fledged part of that. <laughs> they uh, they they have put overhead tarps over the press box press box quote in quotes uh so mm-hmm. that's good i'm appreciative of that particularly since it was so hot there are still problems with food they're they're using food trucks to to mm-hmm. to service everyone in some tents the lines were long the entire time yeah. that is unfortunate i would say it was about 60 percent full on a warm day so that i mean that's good on a sunday uh, it's uh, that's pretty good, particularly for a team that's in last place against the current. So it's not the box office was not going to be a big draw there, but yeah, as far as the as far as the play in the field, you know, the first thirty five minutes for the Spirit were good. Chris Ward called it uh, the best half or section of a game in the season since uh, they played Gotham the first time. So that is a positive. The lineup changes, you know, obviously they're plumbing the depths of their depth now. You, you mentioned the, the big change between having those the U.S. national team players there, having that front three to finish chances to to be better off the ball and movement around the box. The drop off is significant between those, and it's and that happens. Mm-hmm. And I was you know talking to Jason Anderson about this, and we were talking about the fact that they need to do something. And he was like, I don't know what kind of money they have because they have seven national team players on the roster, and they have given raises to quite a few, quite a few of these players. The Trinity is the most is the highest paid player in the league, 
So there are limitations into what they can do. And that's what you're seeing sort of not necessarily a top heavy roster because it's not just a couple players. It's almost a full lineup that's being pulled out. So that's a struggle, right? There's There are players that are being brought in that were tasked and thought maybe to play occasionally. Uh, there was so much conversation about how deep that midfield was going to be and how they were going to struggle to find minutes for everybody. And that's not been the problem, uh, certainly. But the midfield was interesting in this game. I thought... Uh, I thought that there was a, there were there were players that that distinguished themselves and there's players that did not. <laughs> I would I would well, say. I, I mean, you talk about you know some of the injuries. Um, you know, Tara, Tara Mickeyone's been injured. Jordan Baggett's been injured. Um, I think Dorian Bailey and Bailey Feist have been out for at least you know certain aspects of the of of this sort of run without the stars as well. So it was like this team was plunging you know further into its depth. And now you're kind of getting like this is very clearly like a second eleven in a lot of ways. Um, For not sure, a, certainly not, not certainly not a first eleven, but it was certainly in my mind it looked like it was a, a bit of a step up from what we saw um, against uh, against uh, San Diego, which was like there was there was like just nothing, like no attacking threat like san diego was never under threat much in that game in this game it was very clear that the spirit were in control um it's just that that sort of like next step up that drop off is still pretty significant so you know if you've got a terry mickey on coming off the bench you know against tired players you know that can be very effective she can probably pick up a couple goals but if she's starting and having to you know break down and then she gets tired and gets sub off then you're dipping into that you know, next layer of, of sort of depth in the spirit. So it's sort of like, you know, this team has its A squad. It's a squad is basically out with the U S national team. The B squad has basically been injured. Like they basically where their depth got hurt was sort of in the middle part of that lineup. And then, you know, they had their C squad and then their, you know, basically their fill-in squad. I won't even give a grade to like, they basically (laughs) signed a bunch of players and brought them in. And now that B squad is coming back. So it looks better like on the field. And, you know, honestly, another day they might've been able to get to, to get a result. Um, I remember, I think it was, was it, there was a corner, there was one play towards before it was zero, zero. And and I think the goal really, in a lot of ways, like just kind of took the wind out of the sails. It was just kind of like the, here we go again. Um, type of mentality because um, I saw there I, I was kind of looking at their XG stat I was watching like well I need to highlight this game and getting towards the end recording and I saw their XG just go way up and um, of course then it was a penalty that ended up being why their XG went up but yep. uh, one point I believe on the there's the person that does and I, I should really credit her because she's like one of the few people that does it yeah there is up there there are very few NWSL stats <laughs> uh, opportunities so I'm thankful for these yeah, and it's, it was a 1.45 expected goals for the Spirit, so that includes the penalty. Um, they basically kind of hovered pretty close, I think, to the um, uh, pretty close to the to to the current through most of the game, um, and then uh, really kind of took uh, took it over sort of late in the game. Also, they were chasing the game a bit too. Yeah, so. French tipped probably four ball four balls over the crossbar that would have been in the net. She yep. she she was. She's why the she's why Kansas City won. It's not obviously the goal was important, but uh, the, it it could have been two, three, one. Uh, were were a different goalie in there. So that's to your point about A, B, and C squads. Uh, the Spirit had four, three to four players in this lineup that would make your starting eleven. Right, Sam Saab's going to play. Julia Rotter is the Swiss Army knife for this team and probably will plays most times, even with the the the, the, the first choice eleven. Anna Halfordy has been on the fringe, and Dorian Bailey's 
been in contention when healthy. Dorian Bailey was to me the best player out there for the Spirit, and it's I always agree. good. It's good when Foot Mob will back up your eyesight. So that was that. You know, there <laughs> I said Dorian Bailey. The the game in the first thirty five minutes, it was noticeable that the Spirit were being forced or were choosing to to run the ball up the middle. It wasn't the normal sort of run up the channels on the on the sides and cross the ball. Uh, because that just isn't the strength of the players that are in there now. Yeah, but she it was a very possession. It was a very possession style game. Like it was, it was very much, you know, uh, Kansas City were trying to hit hit the spirit on the counter, and the spirit were trying to control the game. Uh, some really excellent switches. I think they had. I, I thought the midfield as a whole played probably the best I've seen them play this season. Um, and just controlling the game, you know, making quick passes. They were finding opportunities and finding space. Uh, again, just couldn't find couldn't find the finishing. Couldn't the finishing just wasn't there. And I want um, also, also some good saves call, from French. So go I, I want to call ahead, out Taylor Almer too as the other part of that midfield. Uh, I would say of all the players, so clearly the depth has been uh, more than tested and been required to start many many games. She's a player that had opportunities towards the end of the year last year and earned another contract for this year. Of the players that have been forced into this role, she has done the most with it. Mm-hmm. No one else really has. I, I would argue there have been no players on the periphery who have been given all these starts that have really, really seized opportunity later down the line. But Almer is, is has been fantastic, so I'm happy to see that. Uh, Bailey Feist is, and you know, Jason and I talked about this too, it's, it's a struggle to come back from a knee injury. Uh, and I just it just feels like she's not up to the speed. Like she's just a little bit slow compared to where she was before the injury. That's not uncommon. Uh, and the challenge for her is she has not had a first choice eleven to work with. She has on occasion. I think w- we are inclined because of the fact that the spirit have been missing seven players now for I think like two weeks to like forget that they've had those players the full rest of the season and they're still in last place. The reason they are is because their schedule is horrible and super condensed and everyone's tired. However, they have had a first-choice 11 at times, and they haven't been able to get anything done. So that's, to keep that in mind for when they all come cool. back after this, after just playing a major well, tournament. Yeah, well, true. I mean, I, I guess you're, you're correct there. I mean, they had moments where, even in this condensed schedule, they had three points sitting at least in two games. Um, and let it slip towards the end. Maybe yep. more. I, I remember the two big ones, um, obviously. Um, I, I think this team is definitely, I think they're snake bit. I think it, com- it comes on the uh, on the goal, which is just a, a weird, mo- a weird, it was a, I think it was a throw in that a, came in or across. And it, it kind of like, yeah, deflects off the spirit defenders and then just kind of lands right to the feet um, of the of the Kansas City goal scorer, whose name. CC Kaiser. I cannot remember. Yeah, CC Kaiser. And, uh I think I've, I don't know who the defender was marking her, but tries tries their best to kind of like hold her off, and then she just kind of and and Devin Kerr I thought maybe could have done a little better, sort of coming out meeting the ball. I think she kind of missed a little bit on her slide, and, and it's just kind of an unfortunate ball that trickles into the back of the net. Just kind of an odd goal, and I think it's sort of like, I mean, you make your own luck, obviously, uh, you know, but I mean, it's just kind of a weird snake bit type of moment, and I feel like that's been the Spirits' twenty twenty two season. It's just been. Odd moments, they've been pushed to the brink, and you know now they've just cannot cannot buy their own luck in in getting something out of out of some of these games. That that goal was really against the flow of the game, and mm-hmm. the the players there. So the throw in occurs, a cross comes in. Amber Brooks runs into Gabby Vincent, who just subbed on. They knock into each other. Uh, the ball falls to a to a 
uh, current player who puts the ball, the CC Kaiser, Drew, uh, uh, Cam Bogalski sort of tries to seal her off as though someone was about to help her out and pick the ball up, but no one did because there was that's, that was not the play there. And as you said, Devin Kerr didn't do anything. So it was a, it, it was really an, a, 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 a uh, what do you call it? example in miniature of the season. Like there was there mm-hmm. players who just came on, players who have not played with each other, making making uncharacteristic individual mistakes and not having anyone bail them out, and then and then conceding. The spirit did not deserve to lose this game. I think on XG that's that's apparent. On on watching it's apparent. A zero-zero draw would have been fair. I think the spirit probably should. If, if anyone was going to win, it should have been the spirit. Um, we'll talk, and, and then so that so the 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 spirit have a good spell in the first thirty-five minutes. In the last ten minutes of the game of the first half, they are horrible. They are being run off the field. The current have changed formations two or three times in the first half. The spirit had no idea what was going on. Players were just just trying to get to the end of the end of the half. Unfortunately, Julia Rotter gets injured, uh, and you know there's no place of depth really on this roster at this point. But Julia Rotter is not a player you want to lose. I would say maybe only Sam Staub is a player that who was out there that you could less afford to lose uh, as things go as things go on. She had ice in her knee, unclear what that's going to be, but that just means mm-hmm. that you know depth gets thinner at left back. Cam Bogalski is now your starting left back for at least the next two games probably. But it got exciting again. The Spirit, after the goals conceded, have, have, have had more possession, putting French under more pressure. Tonight, Alexander earns a penalty. And it kind of came, not necessarily out of nowhere, but you, I, you, it, something was coming. There was a corner, previously before that, there was a corner taken that French flailed at, and the ball bounced twice inside the six and should have been scored. Nothing happened. So you thought, all right, you don't have your horses out here, but somebody should be able to nod this ball. And this is not this. This should end in differently. So Tanaya earns a pretty soft penalty, I would say. I don't know if you've watched the, the that part. It was pretty weak, but that's fine. A little bit, yeah. A little bit weak. Uh, so I was. It was like a. It was like a little bit of a play here. So a, uh, French comes off her line to get the to get the referee to come and push her back. Uh, current players are infringing to get the referee to come over and push them back. Meanwhile, Tanaya is on the spot. Her shoulders are heaving up and down. Like she is, she is feeling it. She is not tired from running anymore because it's now been about three minutes since she was fouled. So she is under the pressure or at least physically appears to be right. That is, that is the, the body, the body language was not good. Uh, and I, not a great penalty saved. Uh, French saves the day. And I asked Chris Ward after the game, I said, she wasn't probably the designated penalty taker, right? But also, did you even have a designated penalty taker when this many players have been either injured or subbed off? Or And he's like, no, Tanaya grabbed the ball because she wanted it. She won it. She wanted the ball, and I want players who want that. And that, the result is the result, but I, it, that mentality is important. And I, I kind of called out Tara McKeown as being a player who did not have that instinct to take her to take the shot. Not necessarily to grab the penalty, but... A number of times on the top of the 18, she'd look to be playing somebody else in instead of saying, how can I how can I create space and get a shot on goal? So that is, you know, young team. Tara McKeown, you got to remember, is uh, very is very young out of college still. Uh, this is her first full season. She came in midway last year. So there's a lot of that, right? I think that the weird part is since they won the championship, 
and we've thought we've made this said this as an excuse a number of times. The team was not intending to win last year. It's a young team they were trying to build to a championship. So like they're they're like it's all in reverse. They won first and now they're learning all these hard learned lessons that you would probably <laughs> assume they would have lost last they'll learn last year. So it's it's strange, right? Yeah, but, I mean I, I look at the penalty and I'm like I mean, I, I mean, I look at who I, I was like, well, who was out there? And I think Terry McKeown had been subbed off at that point. Correct. Um, so but then I look at Bailey Feist was out there. Um, she's a player I would imagine should grab that penalty and take it. Now that I'm saying like Taylor, Taylor Elmer wanted to take it. Great. I'm sorry. Um, she was uh, off. Tyan Alexander, Alexander wanted to take it like great. Um, you know, she wants to grab it. That That's great. But I, I feel like I feel like that's a lot of pressure to put on, you know, a rookie. Yep. To go out and want to take go out and want to take that penalty. And I feel like somebody, you know, should have like someone someone should have and, and you know, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna put a little bit of that on on Chris Ward. I, I feel like there should be, you know, with all these injuries, and I understand he hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but you know, I I, I would think you would have in your head as a coach, like, okay, you know, with this lineup, you know, just quick before the game, Feist is the penalty taker. You know, Terry McKeon's a penalty. If Terry McKeon's not there, then Feist is. Like those are very clear things that you should set, in my opinion, as a coach. Uh, who's going to be the one to take the penalty and not? You know, everybody wants to take the penalty, and you know, and and I'm sure Tyon Alexander wanted to take that penalty, and I and you know, I, that's certainly one way to to do it. Who wants it? You know, and no one else stepped up. You know, it was all like no one else know, came I, for her. There was no one. There was no one trying to grab the ball out of her hands. It was it was very much you got a girl. Yeah, and and just you know, if she scores it, we're not even talking about Correct. it. You know, we're talking, wow, what a great moment! But it's saved, and then you have to ask. You ha- you do have to ask. You have to say, you know, where were some of these other more experienced players to step up and say, no, 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 like Tiana, you you'll get your goal. Like I guarantee you, it'll happen. We we need this goal. You know, I I can do this. I can take this. And and she so, uh, she was one of the only players that had a penalty save in the Challenge Cup too. It's not that that matters. Yep. Like N of one. So. You have a little bit of data there. Sam Staub took a penalty, like I think ninth mm-hmm. in that. And that it it's tough, man. I, I agree. I, I would think Bailey Feist would be the player you'd want in there. Clearly, you know, maybe maybe not. I agree though. I, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had before the game. I think there are just so many. If you were to ask Chris, he would probably say, "Look, man, we're just trying to get eleven players through the game, <laughs> and like you know, we have our tactics to 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 go against the opponent." I don't. I'm trying to think if they've had a penalty in regular season play to take. I think they have. I think it's been. I mean, it's been Hatch, Andy, Andy and Hatch yeah. are the two that would you take. So anyway, that here nor there that would have potentially given this team a draw, but they, it didn't happen. And once again, they are now firmly rooted at the bottom of the table with games in hand on the clubs that are above them. So a spirit essentially have to win out. Yeah. Uh, for, for once, once people come back, which is you know possible, but I also think unlikely. Again, again, I re- I reiterate the rate that we have played. We are tied for the most games played amongst any other NWSL team somehow, in despite of all of this. And I refuse to understand the logic behind that. Um, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's crazy. Oh, we're not and last we place anymore. I'm sorry. Courage are now yeah. in last place with eight points. I apologize. Yeah, but they have nine games. They have three games in hand on us. Which is crazy. So they will inevitably, they could inevitably, yeah, again, crazy. NWCL schedulers, uh, screw you. <laughs> Honestly, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is like early levels of MLS bad. And we've neutrals, talked enough about it. Neutrals are talking about this now, not just Spirit fans. Neutrals yeah. are saying like, 
if the best team in the league previously the next year falls apart this precipitously because of scheduling, then you screwed up. It's not the team's fault. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get into some listener questions. This one ties into the last yeah. one. Uh, Doug Reyes, fan of, fan of the match probably, <laughs> fan of the match <laughs> last week, uh, says, odds we still make the postseason in your estimation once we get the national teamers back after the CONCACAF championship. As we just said, the Spirit have played the most games along with San Diego in the league. They sit at nine points. They have a, a negative four goal differential, and they have six draws, five losses, and one win. They're a little bit past halfway in the season. What do you think the odds that we still make the postseason? One and three. Thirty-three percent. All right, so that is high. no one. No, no one in three. So thirty, thirty percent. Thirty percent is what I'm 30, going with. Yeah, thirty-three percent. Right. Thirty-three percent. Sorry, I thought you said three percent. I was like, it's like what? No, it's thirty percent. I would say one in ten. I'd say ten percent really? chance. Yeah, I think that you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to have a almost unprecedented run. You're gonna have to have a run like you did last year, foregoing your draws for victories, uh, and. I'm not looking. I've not looked at who they're playing. By the way, if they lose against Orlando, I put it now in, on Sunday. I now put it at one percent. That is a team that that is right above them in the table. And if they can get three points while being the hollowed out carcass of a side that they are now after they've traded away almost all of their players, that is a very very bad sign for their ability. Understanding that they've got to get all those players back, but as I just said, those players. Andy Sullivan has played most of every match. Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet are switching on and off. Uh, Ashley Sanchez has been playing. Trinity Robin has been much less playing. And Aubrey Kingsbury just chilling. We could have used her. She's just hanging out, just <laughs> watching. But anyway, yeah, I would say I would say about 10%. And if we lose on Sunday, 1%. It, the, only, the only thing I will add, the intensity. Well, I guess the Mexico game was pretty intense. But the intensity of the games that they've played in this group stage. By the way, man, dude, we'll talk about like, U.S. I mean, Concacaf needs to fix this for for the women. I can talk about this in the women's championship. It is, it, and I understand. Like, I'm not I'm not saying like Mexico deserved other chances, but oh boy, like what what a like just absolutely crushing uh, to watch them fall apart the way they did after they were considered probably one of the favorites to make the tournament, um, and they're a country that has started like to invest heavily in women's soccer. So I mean, my biggest fear is that this will, I'm, I'm hopeful this will, will galvanize them uh, to keep investing and will not say, you know, to some of these, you know, male owners, Oh, see we're, we tried. It didn't work. We, you know, why are we doing this? Um, but, you know, really, really tough. But um, I think women's women's soccer needs to needs an actual uh, qualification stage, not this like weird, weird tournament, tournament yeah. that takes place, honestly. Um, but either way, that's that's beside the point. But um, you know, to back back to your back to the question, I, I'm saying thirty percent just because I know how good this team can be. Um, I know, I, I my hope is they can kind of come together. They're going to have a little bit of a break. Uh, my hopeful, my hopeful, they can pick up points if they pick up a win against the Spirit. I think that could go potentially against a long pride. way to, yeah, sorry, against the Pride. I should say against the Pride. That could go potentially a long way. Um, maybe pick up a draw against Carolina and then you've got maybe some time to regroup, come back. And then you've got, um, your, your players back. You can kind of phase them in. I think you're right now, like looking at this midfield, I think they could get by without an Andy Sullivan. I think they could get by without a, without a, um, a, uh, a, um, 
the the defensive players they have names are just completely Kelly, left O'Hara, Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnen. I disagree. Yeah, I think Kelly, they did them very badly. I, I like defensively. Like I don't think they were poor in this game. Like if I'm well, being the current, honest, like I, the current are not the current are not a offensive juggernaut. So they should be able correct. to handle. They should be able to handle them defensively. Correct. I, I just think. I just think right now this team desperately just needs some offensive, some offensive prowess. Like they need some offensive for sure. Um, uh, you know, ability. Like that's a game they win. And I look at you know some of the games coming up, and I think that's what they need. So, and those players have not played, I guess, as much as some of your as some of your other more defensive and more midfield midfield minded players. So in my mind, like I feel like I feel like they can get this together. It's going to be tough. I mean, one in three. I'm being very generous here with my with my with my thought, but um, I, I think if this team can get on a run, I think they just need to they just need to get that one win. They get that one win, and I think then you're going to start to see things start to come together. Like you're going to see that snap, and then they're going to snap back to what we saw. I want to increase my odds to 25 percent because I'm looking now. They are six points out of the last spot in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. With a team that's only played one less game than them, and they and in between there, the the the, uh, the grouping is so tight, right? That that it is possible. They really just do have to just like flip a switch though and be twenty twenty one spirit, and just like you know take no prisoners, have no injuries. Actually, speaking that that takes me to my next question. At Bill Beverly on Twitter says, "How is number thirty three doing?" Ashley Hatch, a an essential part to the spirit. I, I think. I don't want to say most essential, but if you look at sort of where the spirit are unable to complete things with the lineups that they've got, it's really the hole at the top of the uh, top of the lineups, the forward spot. Uh, she was sent home from the tournament from the U.S. national team due to a left leg muscle injury, and she would have. They said she would have missed the rem- remaining parts of the tournament. I don't know how much longer the tournament is. I think it's another week. Um, so no idea about severity. Uh, I imagine there will be some press availability before Sunday to talk about the game on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday. So I'll get an, I'll get an opportunity to ask about the health of both Julia and Ashley. But that is a player this this team really needs to have back with the rest of the national team players. It's very very important. Yeah, there's not a, there's kind of not a lot of depth or not a lot of players that can do what she can do out there on the field for sure. Nope. Um, uh, Next question at Ann DC says, is there any information on how long after this season spirit are stuck with Segra? I did some Googling uh, uh, from, from an article that talked about their partnership with DC United. Keep in mind, this was pre Michelle Kang. Things could have changed. Uh, there could be unspoken or unpublished agreements, but the text says additionally, the spirit will play seven NWSL regular season home matches at plated Audi field and five at Segra in 2021. In 2022 and beyond, the clubs will collaborate to amplify the number of matches played at Audi Field each year, with all postseason matches to be played at Audi Field. I have not heard a wishy-washier saying than amplify the number of matches. Mm-hmm. That is that is the most meaning-nothing word I have ever heard of in my life. So what I think that means is, based on attendance, based on conflicts, based on everything else, the spirit will continue to be at Segra Field in some capacity uh, going forward, unless the games that they have at Audi Field for the rest of this year are uh, to the caliber that they were in 2020, or was that 2019, 2019 when they were yeah. selling the, when they were selling the games out. And I think I think what you need to look at I think if you are the if you are the spirit, 
I think you're kind of looking, you're looking at having seven players, seven players potentially, probably more, most likely being on that World Cup roster in 2023. Um, I think if you are the, if you are the spirit, you're kind of targeting that as your potential um, moment, maybe to get, now again, this will be, this will take place in Australia and New Zealand. So game time matches are not going to be as easy to, to come by. It's going to be a bit of a mess. Um, your usual two, three a.m. type of games, uh, but that's a moment um, where you know if you have Trinity Rodman tear it up, that could galvanize it to sort of move this team maybe a little bit more into the market, um, and then eventually pl- play more games at at Audi Field. I, I think we're we, we've we've definitely hit a lull. I think in interest, and I think the, the lull in interest is because it's not been you know a World Cup year or the Olympic the Olympic year. Uh, the players are, while they're known, everybody kind of knows Trinity Rodman. Um, you know, you talk about when they had that game at, at Audi Field, that came from the fact that Rose Lavelle won and won the bronze, bronze ball. And she was an exceptional player in that World Cup. She can, came back um, and uh, played in uh, Audi Field, and there was a lot of buzz and a lot of interest. So I think that's the type of buzz where maybe we see that start to transition. I, I hope I hope there is some maybe some, like, uh, stern calls. I know Michelle Kang was looking to get Levian involved in ownership. Um, so maybe that could shift the narrative a bit. If Levian has a vested stake, maybe he wants this team, you know, more on a, more on a, on a, on a pedestal other than, you know, off in Segra field. Um, also, I mean, honestly, a lot of this could be solved if Segra field was just a better facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it is embarrassing that it is still in the state that it's in, um, I know this is like a phased approach, and but you know, honestly, Jason and uh, Kaplan, can you please, please make Segra Field a better facility? Just get rid of the turf, too. Yeah. By the way, mm-hmm. I mean the the turf was a turf was an answer to we need to get this stadium assembled quickly for Loudon's inaugural season. Uh, damn the torpedoes! Don't worry about a sprinkler system. Just get it up so we can so we can start playing. Uh, just just rip it up, man. You're gonna have. Loud United playing here forever. You're gonna have academy teams playing here. Just you're gonna I, the, you're gonna have a, a a women's team theoretically coming here right. as well. So yeah, and, and you know just the heat off the turf, the potential for additional injuries. It's just I I don't understand it. But I I don't think that that's coming. I think that this is, I think we're stuck with this. Unfortunately, uh, last question from uh, the mailbag at Edward Cern says evaluation of Chris Ward. Could he be in danger in the offseason? I was originally going to kind of snark at this. He was not the only one in the mentions who was sort of talking about Chris Ward, about, you know, should we be expecting better? Should, you know, is he in danger in the offseason? I would say no manager could withstand this amount of scheduling uh, chicanery, and losing your best player, losing almost all of your first choice 11 due to international duty. Nobody. That's no other team has this many players being removed. No one else has had this played this many games except for San Diego. So I, I think that it is extremely challenging to evaluate him on this season. I think you have to take this season with a grain of salt and look at last season and look at the look at the performance he did then. And I think even if you if you put him sort of on average between those two extremes, I think he has at least earned another season that doesn't have this level of extenuating circumstances. There have been 
games where they have been in winning positions that they have lost. There have been issues with defensive organization, but he also hasn't had time necessarily to have training with these players. Yep. So it's so challenging to really blame him for for any of this. And even the player, the players are in situations that they didn't expect to be in. They are now in. Some of them are showing that they're not ready to be in that position, but alas, they are. So I, I would say he's not in danger, Ted. What do you, what do you think? I don't think he's in danger. I think regardless of what happens this season, I think he'll be, you know, through, you know, through next season. The only thing I could I, I could say that could make his seat a little hotter is once we get to a point where we have the we have the starters back, we have everybody, everybody at our disposal. Um, we're entering, you know, a, a p- relatively like peaceful period of weekly games and training sessions. And then things still don't get better. They're still you know, losing games, dropping games. I think that could make his seat a little hot heading into next season where it's a, all right, that was, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll write that one off, but you know, we need to see something next season. And then if this keeps going, then I think then you, you got to start thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe moving on at that point as, as crazy as it seems um, because, you know, you're right. I mean, it's, it's the schedule has been bad. You know, the, the timing, it feels like everything's just bad. Like the absolute worst timing. It's like, we play a bunch of games with the starters, no training sessions. The team is sloppy. They've dropped games, you know, games they should, they had up the upper hand and should pick up points. They drop, you know, it's just been like a series of bad events. And then I finally got a break. Oh, but all the players are gone. And then it's like playing through this game with like essentially like the weakest lineup of the teams that have had players gone. And then it's like, all right now. And then we're, you know, we're hitting back that third stride. Hopefully that is smoother. And, you know, I think if he, if he can find a way to steer this team into the playoffs, you know, then I think he absolutely keeps his job. Like even if they finish, like, even if they just clinch that last playoff playoff spot, I think it's very clear that he should be, I'm still around. I still think it's doable. I think this team, I, I I'm hopeful this Orlando game, I know that I know a lot of the players won't be there, but I think if they can if they can find a way, they'll be at Audi Field. They'll have you know a at least a fuller complement of players that they can choose from. They're against a, a team that is barren. If they can pick up three points in this game, I think you could. That could be sort of a thing that might turn sort of just at least turn that at least get that sort of that proverbial monkey off their back and and keep them moving forward. But I, I don't think Chris Rowe is at any risk. Uh, we'll, we'll, I reserve my right to really evaluate at the end of the season, but I, I think he's fine. I, Players like him, he hasn't lost the locker room as far as we're as far as we know. Yep, I think that that's I think that's true. Uh, the last the two little bit of news: Jaden Shaw continues to be held hostage by San Diego. Chris Ward has sort of shared his annoyance with that situation, mm-hmm. thinking that there would be some play ball situations there. They would they would sort of. You know, the, the the Olivia Moultrie is the analog here where O.L. Rain claimed her out of Portland and got a third round draft pick. So and that's a player that everyone was talking about. Obviously, very young. I think Jaden Shaw has a bit more of a pedigree now uh, was playing in the under 19s, I believe. So I think they're asking for more, but it's a question of what gets given. She, she would be playing in the starting lineup right now. I'm pretty sure based on how they've been talking about her. So that has not resolved itself. Hopefully it will soon. Uh, and then finally, Audi Field is now able to host women's national team games. They've, uh, an agreement with U.S. Soccer happened today. So look for games this season, uh, this, this, this year, this calendar year at Audi Field. So great, great for national team fans that are local. Uh, they get a chance to see. And also great for the 
you know, seven seven elevenths of the Washington spirit who'll get to do it in front of home uh, a home crowd. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. I think that's going to do it uh, for this episode of Kindred Spirits. Um, I, I, I hope sunnier days around the corner with this team. This team was a lot of fun to watch. So hopefully we'll have a funner, a fun game to watch after they beat Orlando. And uh, we'll have some good things to say about the team. Uh, in the meantime, guys, please check out the show again. Tell your friends about the show. We, right now, we're, we're fairly confident right now we are the only podcast covering the Washington Spirit. We're so. like a secret. We're like a secret. We're like the CBGB of Washington Spirit Podcasts. It's a it's a very cool club that very few people belong to. So if you if you like the show and are already listening to the show, uh, please leave a review and uh, on on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, and tell your friends about us. That's the only way we're going to keep growing this part of the show. It's we know that it's the it's the toughest time to grow a Spirit podcast at, at, at the way the season has gone, but I think it's word of mouth that's going to get us there. So. Uh, We love you, and we hope that you'll help us out. Yep, absolutely. All right, thank you, guys. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.